Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Hello. In today's Tend Her Wild podcast, we are going to explore the importance and the power of being embodied or living in the body in a much more present, focused way. So this is another one of the topics that we're exploring in the Tend Her 2.0 program that is currently happening right now. And for those of you who weren't able to get registered, we will be offering all of this content for free. It'll be up on a website soon. We'll let you know where to find it. Uh, but today, Kate and I want to talk about being in the body, what this means for both of us, and actually how hard this can be. So hi, Kate. Hi, Betsy. Thanks for joining me as always. I love this time with you. Me too. So um, I want to, we talked to Salisha a couple of weeks ago and we talked about sort of this awareness of when maybe we started to not be as present in the body. Like we started to leave the body or not listen to the body. I mean, as when you come into this world as a child, you're so embodied. You're so, you, you know, think about babies. They're experiencing the world through their bodies. They're touching everything. They're slobbering on things. They're putting things in their mouth. And then it does seem as we age and as we move through challenging things, we get more distanced from our body. We start to live from more from the head. Um, do you have a sense of when you started to be less present in your body? So I played a lot of sports in high school. Yeah. And so for me, my body was active. It was, it had to be strong. And uh, my senior year I had, well, my sophomore year I had some knee surgery. My senior year, kind of my final basketball game I ever played, um, I sprained my ankle so I remember feeling like during those years, like I was relying on it and it was kept letting me down mm. and it kind of impeded my success. Mm. So I think I disconnected because you're angry. At I was it. angry. Yeah. Oh. And then I don't know that I ever really made peace so much with it. Um, you know, I was thinking back to what I do in college. I did not play college sports, but I played intramurals um, and aerobics were very big. Oh, yes. During my college. In the 90s. Yes. They were so big. Yeah. So it was did still. You, um, just making me go back to the box where you stepped up on the oh, box. Yes. yes. What, what was that called again? Step aerobics. Step aerobics. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. I went to my fair share of those in college as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was always very, um, very physical, but not not like yoga where you connect with your yeah. body. So. Oh, yeah. You can be super unconscious in a lot of athletic endeavors. Yeah. In terms of not listening. Right. Yeah. So I don't think I really, until I started doing yoga, probably in the late 90s was my first yoga class. I did some Pilates maybe. Yeah. 
Oh, that was probably even after that. But then I started to say, oh, to tune, learn to tune in. To listen. Yeah, I think I disconnected. Okay, so your disconnect was my body isn't performing the way I like to. It want it to. It's it's getting injured. It's not doing what I want it to do. And so that I think is one disconnect from the body. Um, my disconnect from the body was a trauma that happened when I was about five or six and that uh, being inappropriately touched by someone and that trauma um, disconnected me from my body. So I can see my disconnect started at like five or six, oh, right? So started young. really early on. So injury, body not performing can disconnect you. Trauma can clearly disconnect you. Mm-hmm. And then I think a third thing that really disconnects people from their bodies, women in particular, but it can impact men, is the culture, cultural mandate around what a body should look like. Oh, yeah. So body image. If your body doesn't fit the cultural ideal or your body doesn't isn't the right color or your body isn't the right shape or the right size or all those different factors, then you are angry that your body doesn't look that way and then you disconnect from it. So it's all about this relationship with the body and we just disconnect. We don't really talk about it with young girls no. either. We don't we didn't get I didn't get an education really on loving my body and appreciating my body and the differences in bodies. It was even back then. And I can't, I mean, I know having a daughter this age, having so much imagery thrown at them about, you know, perfection and, and what you should look like. Um, But even back then, I mean, we had 17 magazine. Yes, we did. Teen spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, We were, we were receiving that in the mail. You bet. We were, idolizing, you know, bodies that, that exhibited perfection yeah. to us. And, and so I think, yeah, I think it, yeah, we, we had that as well. Yeah. Just it may be at a slower pace than they have it yeah, today. I, yeah. I'd be, I'd be, I don't know any of the data, but it'd be really interesting to know if it's worse today or better because we, there also today, there are more images of different, different shapes bodies. and sizes. I mean, I noticed that in the catalogs that come home, like they're really showing different sizes and different uh, colors and different, you know, shapes. And that's new. That's relatively new. It is. Um, we didn't have any of that. So that is progress. So I'd be curious to know, like is Mm -hmm. body image. So I do have a little bit of data, but this data, um, it's actually, um, it's not that new. I mean, I think if this is about seven or eight years ago that I, um, found this, but a Yahoo health survey of 2000 people between the ages of 13 to 64, they asked whether people were body positive, body negative, or body neutral. Body neutral just means that people accepted their bodies. They didn't have a positive feeling or a negative feeling. Or they were body ambivalent, meaning that sometimes they loved their body and sometimes they hated their body. So only 11% of women report body positive. Wow. Right? But it's not that much higher for men. It's only 20% of men have a body positive relationship, which that surprised me. Me too. I would have guessed it was much higher. Um, And the people who are at the highest risk of body hatred, who would you guess? What population? I would think young girls. Yeah, teenage girls. 
94% of them report body shame. Wow. 94%. So it's nearly all of them have body shame. And so, you know, you were an athlete, so you were really engaged in your body. I was a musician and then it had this trauma that had happened to me early on in my life that I'd pushed very deeply down into my body. Um, so I can attest to, as a high school student, I had a ton of body shame. I hated my body. I remember I hated shopping for swimsuits. Um, I remember I was very insecure in my body. Um, I remember having a lot of body shame and hatred And I remember that it peaked for me, like it stayed with me all throughout college. I remember I was absolutely terrified of gaining the freshman 15. There was a group of fraternity guys who sat in the cafeteria at the first table as you would exit with your tray of food and they would heckle um, girls going by based on what there was there tr- was on their tray oh and would God. say horrible things like, Oh, it looks like she's getting the freshman 15. And these were like older classmen boys. So I remember I was terrified of that having of that happening to me. Um, I never had an eating disorder, but was very controlled with my eating. Um, and I remember it peaked for me somewhere in my twenties. I was It was my birthday. My mother had come. I was in graduate school and my mother had come to take me out for lunch and take me shopping. And I remember we were shopping and in a store and I tried on a dress and had said, I don't know, I think I feel like this makes me look fat, makes me look puffy. And my mom had said, ah, these young girls, I can't believe that they're so stuck on this. And I remember that was an opening for me to kind of have a conversation with her about it at lunch. But I also remember she didn't quite know what to say to me because I think just inherent in our culture, it's a diet culture too. It's a culture of like, it's accepted that young girls are going to struggle with their body and their shape and food. And like, we see it as actually normal versus like problematic. It's just a stage. You'll move through it. And I will say, I know, so This was my early 20s. I will say the thing that started me on healing my relationship to my body was yoga. Mm -hmm. And I found yoga when I was, I don't know, mid-20s. And I only went once a week. But it started me, I think the difference is I started to feel my body. (laughs) Whereas before I was so disconnected and I just hated it. I started to feel it, like move your hip back, extend up through your spine, soften your shoulders. So I started to feel it. So it created a new relationship with my body. And then there was a moment, I will never, ever forget this moment. In fact, I feel somewhat teary and I have those chills right now. I was in a shoulder stand in this yoga class. So you're balancing on your shoulders and you have some props underneath your neck and my legs are straight up in the sky I've never liked my legs. I always had this like negative relationship with my legs and my knees. And then I was looking up at my legs and I was like, oh my God, my legs are so strong. Like, look at those gorgeous legs they are so strong. And I think it was the first time in my life that I'd ever um, felt 
kindness or love or say something positive to my body. It was so stuck in negative messaging with my body. Mm. And I think that was the start of me developing a kinder relationship to my body. And so I will say like 20 years later, I'm in a completely different place. I do think thanks to yoga and just my inner work. Um, but I will still have bad body days. Oh yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That is, I didn't know it's going to come out. Thank you for listening. It's striking Mm -hmm. when you have those pivotal moments like that, that Mm -hmm. just are so seared into your memory. Yeah. Um, And then obviously when big shifts happen for you, those pivotal moments, um, you can see yourself like go right back to that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember in your own life uh, in, in high school or in college having negative talk with your body or if you feel like that early time in sports really established a healthier relationship to your body? You know, I, I had a period of time in college where, um, I was the same way. I was so afraid of gaining weight. So mine was a lot about control and just, you know, keeping, being very conscious of, you know, not overdoing it. Um, and I think I went through a period of time where I probably, you know, it it kind of got to the level where I was not eating much at all. Mm-hmm. It was not a very long period. Um, but <clears throat> looking back, I was in a relationship I was ready to get out of and I wasn't letting myself get out of it. Mm-hmm. So I think I, it was, I was trying to control something because I wasn't taking care of something else. Yeah. So once that ended, I feel like I kind of moved through that. Um, uh, so... I, mine has been kind of up and down, like my, my feelings and thoughts about my body. Um, pregnancy was hard for me. I didn't love mm-hmm. being pregnant and I, I didn't thought I would love it. And I didn't. Yeah. I mean, it was, I am so grateful that we tried for a long time to get pregnant. So for me, it was like, I finally got pregnant. So I was over the moon to be pregnant, but the physical changes were hard for me because yeah. I, yeah. you have to be vulnerable. You have to let go. Yeah. And I, my first many 28 years, I, I mean, both of us that. have some control issues, Kate. Is that I, what we're learning today? We've established <laughs> that, Betsy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So those times when you can't control things to the level that, you know, you want to, mm-hmm. those are the vulnerable times in your life that, um, and I think yoga is a lot for me. I mean, I'm still, I'm still getting there, but I recognize that when I'm consistently doing yoga, I do treat my body better yeah. overall, I'm more connected yeah. to it. I, I think that's it. It's not about like, I went to yoga class and I burned 200 calories or whatever it is. It's that you go to a yoga class and you are in direct relationship to your body and you are not, I mean, at least if you do yoga where I do yoga, there's no mirrors, right? So you're not looking at your body, judging it as in comparison to the person next to you. So your whole relationship to your body in that class is just how it feels, Mm -hmm. not what it looks like, not how it's performing per se, although you could have a little bit of that, I guess, in a yoga class, but it's, it's really about the sensation in the body that you're connecting to. So you spend like an hour of quality time with your body and then your body's like, ah, thank you for being so kind to me. And now we have a good relation. It's like any relationship. You got to spend time with that person to build a good relationship. And if you are 
totally disconnected from your body because of what we talked about, trauma, because it's not performing the way you want it to, because of illness, because of injury, because of body image, then you can't have this beautiful connection where the body gives you input and yeah. you respond, right? You just, you're cut off from it. Yeah. It's like I your enemies love, in a way. Yeah. I also love, I close my eyes a lot in yoga. Mm. Um, even sometimes when you tell, you're not telling me to. Yeah. Um, because you can do I, whatever you want my yoga yeah, class, Kate, full that. freedom. But I, I'm, when I am not distracted by things around me and my eyes are closed, I do feel like I'm, I can also be way more embodied yeah. Yeah. and I notice things and I'm much more connected. Yeah. So I, I love that more schools are doing yoga. I think it's really important to have that connection point younger yeah. and appreciation. And, um, well, and look at all of our young people with all the video games and the smartphones, mm-hmm. like, holy cow, like it was hard for me to get into my body and we were playing outside and we were playing outside running on. Yeah, exactly. So I think children's are leaving their bodies earlier and sooner than maybe a couple decades ago. So we really do need these practices and these tools to help people get into their body. And the reason, I mean, let's talk about why do we want to be in the body? Because for many of us, we're scared to go into the body. We might not know that, but our bodies are like the black box recorder in the airplane. They record everything that's ever happened to us. Every trauma, every slight, every betrayal, everything is in the body. And so the body can feel like a minefield. It can feel like, Ooh, I don't really want to be in my body because then I'm going to have to feel (laughs) something, right? I'm going to have to feel the loss. I'm going to have to feel the grief. I'm going to have to feel the fear because emotion lives in the body. And so we get scared of the body. So we just keep numbing out. We keep drinking more and we keep living in our heads and right. We, we really don't want to go into the body, but we talked about this with Celicia in the episode with her really the safest place to be is always in the body because the body is always in the present moment. And it always tells the truth. And it always tells truth. Yeah. So getting back into the body is the pathway towards healing. Um, We just have to sometimes acknowledge or know that any kind of fear of doing that is is somewhat normal. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are afraid to really listen and be in presence with the body because sometimes you, your body's going to tell you something you don't, don't want to hear. hear. Like yeah. every time I'm around this person, I feel horrible. I feel sick. I feel nauseated. Right. Yeah. Oh no, they're my partner. What do I do about that? <laughs> right. Like, you know, these are, these are, you know, things that sometimes the body gives us signals and signs that are inconvenient, Yes, but truthful nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think having these conversations and our daughters especially but even with our with our sons is also important yeah. um it's not something that it's it's funny to me how innate it is when you're when you're young and you're mm-hmm. tumbling around and you know so exploring active. the world through yes. your body so natural and then you're right it's like something happens and you can almost think back as we have about the moment when you disassociate and then, you know, do you wait years to reconnect or can you help your Mm -hmm. kids kind of see 
and and how to be more embodied. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, meditation has helped me with that because mm-hmm. I I am sitting with myself. I am like that's mm-hmm. when I notice what's that ping in my <laughs> right mm-hmm. shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know what's that about? Or yeah. you know so. What so are maybe this ways? is a good a good way to kind of tie some of this together for those of you at home that are like, oh yeah, I might not be. And what are signs that you're not in your body? I mean, some of the red flags that you're not in your body is that you're just speeding through life. Um, you lose your keys all the time. You are constantly in a space of judgment and criticism. You're constantly in a space of like planning for the future and making lists and what I have to get done next. Um, these are all signs that we that you, you're not feeling much because if you're feeling, you're in your body. We feel things through our body. Um, these are all signs that you're just not in the body. So if that sort of resonates with you, like, well, how do I get back in the body? And so let's maybe lay out just a couple simple things that will really work. And you brought up meditation. I think meditation is such a bomb for so many things, but meditation simply connects us. Mindfulness connects us with the present moment. And if you're in the present moment, you can feel your body. And so like just everyone, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. But you know, if you're at home, just take a moment to close your eyes and just notice the sensation of your feet on the floor. And then notice where your hands are, your hands clasped or are they resting in your lap? And then notice what it feels like to lengthen your spine and to sit up taller and to let your neck grow nice and long and to relax your jaw and your forehead. I mean, these are such simple, easy things to just take a moment to tune into the sensation in the body. Breath can put us back into the body. Tuning into the five senses puts Mm -hmm. us into the body. Sound, smell, taste, touch. Even sight, you know, just looking very mindfully at the tree right now. You can feel what that tree feels like in your body, right? Like when you look at that gorgeous tree, what does your body respond? Does it feel more expansive or more relaxed? So yeah, like a 60-minute yoga class is awesome to put you in your body. It will definitely put you in your body. But, you know, sometimes we don't have time for that. So just simply driving home and feeling your hands on the steering wheel or feeling the breeze across your face as you walk from your car to your front door. So there are so many ways to practice actually feeling our body, touching your body. Just take a moment to like squeeze your upper arms or squeeze your forearms, right? Like actually just physically touch the body that like puts you back in your body. Uh, Rocking back and forth is a really good way to soothe the nervous system and to get into the body. So there's so many ways that don't have to be easy, quick and easy. And then maybe we can also just segue as a way to end that what are the benefits of being in the body? Because it can feel scary. Okay, I don't like my body. It's betrayed me. It's got cancer, whatever it is. I don't like my body. Why would I want to take that mindfulness class? Or why would I want to be in my five senses? Or why would I want to, you know, feel, feel myself more? I mean, what do you think are some of the benefits I think that the more connected we are with our body, we can 
we, the answers are there. Yeah. You're more intuitive. Yeah. So you can, you can't connect to intuition without being in the body. No. Yeah. And again, it's getting out of the, the mind. Mm-hmm. So it's allowing yourself to even living more from your heart. So, um, yeah, I think decisions become easier when, when our body, um, relieving stress becomes easier because when you're in your body and you recognize where that you're holding tightness or boy, that's from yesterday when I was like mm-hmm. in that meeting and I'm still kind still of holding about on it. to that. Right. And then you l- allow yourself to release it because yeah. you're acknowledging it. Yeah. Otherwise we just continue to stuff things down and yeah. in and deeper and then they come out sideways. Yeah. So I think it also avoids a lot of heartache yeah. and pain Absolutely. Um, that we might inflict on others because we're, we're, we're releasing it as we go. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and you move differently when you're embodied yeah. and you're in your body, you move through life differently yep. and easier, you're more present. So you're, um, this is so great because, uh, there's great research on this. The term in the scientific world is interoception, like our ability to feel our body. And there's sort of four main benefits and you've already named two of them. So the first one is you get heightened intuition when you're in your body. The second one is you exhibit more presence. Like you just show up more present, more fully there. People feel when you're in your body because you're like plugged with in. them. You're plugged into the grid. Yeah. And then the other two are you have better emotional regulation, right? So you can like modulate your emotions more. If you're in your body, they just flow through you. And it's like each emotion's about 90 seconds and it just flows through and you feel it and then it's gone. So you just have, you're, you're not all over the, like you're just feeling your emotions and letting it flow. So better emotional regulation. And then the last one, which I love is you have enhanced agency, meaning you get way clearer about your decisions. So if you are one of those people that flip-flops all the time, you can't make a decision to save your life, well, you're probably not in your body. Because if you're in your body, the decision is get becomes more clear for you. You know, like if I go left, I feel tight and clenched in my body. If I go right, I feel really expansive and open. So your body's constantly right. showing you what the best decision point is. But if you're not in your body, you, you don't have any of that data at hand. Yeah. So it is kind of magical when you start to tune in yeah yeah it's all there isn't it oh yeah this is what i need to do next yeah it's very cool yeah yeah so but it again is not happen overnight right it's practice it's all about practice I think we've had a podcast yet on a quick fix, have no. we? No. We should, spoiler alert, there are none. There, you will never hear a podcast on quick fixes from Kate and Betsy. All right. Well, everyone, place your feet on the ground. Feel your feet. Feel your nice tall spine. Relax your shoulders. Lead from your heart. And feel your life through your body. It will, it will change everything. Yes, it will. Thanks, Kate. Betsy. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.